Welcome back to Feed the Post. I am your host, Joe Jackson. Today we are back for another Big Ten team basketball preview. Going to be covering Rutgers. I am joined by Aaron Brightman. Aaron, how's it going? Pretty good, Joe. Uh, can't believe, you know, we're only not too long away from uh, preseason starting and uh, just a couple months away from hoops. So very excited about that. Yeah, exactly. You know, college football is here and obviously that's the main focus. But for uh, for me specifically, it's like college football is here. Weather's starting to cool down a bit. That means that basketball is right around the corner. And I'm super excited. So uh, we can get right into it covering Rutgers. So, you know, this is a team last year goes 19 and 15 overall, 10 and 10 in the Big Ten. Um, what were kind of your overall thoughts on last season? It was, it was kind of a weird season overall, but what were kind of your thoughts last for last year? Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a very interesting season. You know, going into the season, obviously you're you're without Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr., so two huge losses for the program, uh, just in terms of their overall impact of of how they elevated Rutgers over the years. So I'd say expectations were you know pretty pretty moderate in terms of what people were hoping for, and then they got off to that tremendous start in Big Ten play. You know, they're eight and four. Um, so expectations rose and, uh, they did have kind of a weird December with that loss at Ohio state, uh, on that controversial last second, uh, shot. Then they had, you know, really laid an egg at Seton hall, uh, against Seton hall at home. Um, but then they rebounded. They were off to that great start They beat number one, Purdue. They beat, uh, you know, at Northwestern with the last second three. And they were in second place in the big 10 with, with eight games to go. And then Moat mag goes down with a season ending injury. And it really just changed the entire dynamic of the team. Uh, they really were missing him on the defensive end. He was starting to come come to life uh, offensively. And uh, I think we all knew how important he was to the team, but uh, it really exposed, I think, the lack of depth that Rutgers had on the end of the bench. And they really suffered for it offensively. They really struggled. And we know what happened in terms of how they, they fell apart at the end. So it was, it was tough. It was a tough season to cover. It was a tough season to be a fan. And um, overall, I don't think it's, you know, um, it's kind of a blip in the road. And I think in a, in a positive way, it's it's going to be a learning experience for Steve Peichel and the program in terms of uh, lessons they took from the season. Uh, and it's only going to make them better in the future. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of what I had. It was just kind of a weird season overall. Like you said, the great start and then you have the injuries and things like that. You know, the Ohio State loss, which is is what it is. Um you know, and then this just the team was so elite defensively, but struggled offensively a lot of the season. And it was just just an overall weird season to me. Um, but with that, I think, you know, we'll start previewing the team in a second. But I do want to just talk about the defense in general from last year. Number six in Ken Palm. Uh, Peichel's had a top 50 defense basically every year that he's been at Rutgers. What to you kind of makes his system so special and just how consistent it's been? Like what kind of stands out to you in that aspect? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think it starts with the mentality. You know, he gets players that buy into his defensive mindset. Um, you know, and I've, I've written about this a lot, but but how he started the rebuild was, you know, he got guys to buy in defensively that weren't necessarily that talented, uh, but they were able to make strides as a program. And now as he's gotten things rolling more and more, he's adding more talented players offensively uh, and we're really seeing that, I think, with this team and and uh, with the 24 class, um, but but also players that buy into how he wants to defend. Um, you know, he's he's mostly a man to man coach. Uh, he does a lot of ball pressure. Uh, the guards are really key in terms of uh, you know on the ball pressure. But uh, he he's always had 
strong forwards down below that are able to uh, defend the rim. Obviously, Cliff Amore, he's, I mean, he's made leaps and bounds strides uh, as a defender since he's been there. Miles Johnson was there before. Um, but yeah, he, he's a great uh, schematically, you know, he's really good at game planning. He's really good at taking out the best player on the opposing team and making other guys on the team beat them, uh, which a lot of times doesn't happen. So he's just a very good, uh, I think, uh, X's and O's coach, but also uh, the players really like playing for him and he gets them to buy into it. And I think part of why they've struggled offensively is I think he lets them play on the offensive end. I think part of how he gets them to buy in defensively um, is he really, you know, obviously he wants them to take good shots. He wants them to share the basketball, um, but he's not so controlling on the offensive end because he asked so much of them on the defensive end. And I think what happens sometimes and what happened last year is they just weren't deep enough to play that tough defensively for a whole season. And once they started having injuries, um, with Caleb McConnell as well, who gutted things out, uh, I think it, it, it really warmed down. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. That's an interesting point you make about like the offense kind of um, letting them not, I don't want to say do their thing, but giving them a little bit more freedom, knowing that it's more taxing on the defensive end. In terms of last year, for me, like the thing that just stands out is just how much length there was at all times, too. Mm -hmm. You know, six foot four plus, literally, aside from what, like Derek Simpson is still six three. Um, but your main rotation, six foot four plus everywhere. A lot of times it was six seven, six six, like six six, and then Amori, um, plus whoever else was kind of filling in that fifth spot. Like, just made it tough. It was you it was for an offense. If you get an advantage against them, and you you know you drive and you kick, now you have Caleb McConnell rotating over to on your closeout or something, or you know then you you get past him. And you have Amori waiting at the rim, who you said you know has made such good improvements defensively and like he'll be a legitimate defense player of the year candidate for the big 10 next year. Like um, in, in my opinion, like that's just how good he's kind of gotten. And I think, yeah, that kind of, they all buy in as, as I think, you know, kind of what you said. And I agree with that a ton um, on the offensive end. I do want to touch on it a bit. And that's, I think it's interesting. You bring up how they're, you know, given a little bit more freedom or per se, but this offense still wasn't one that was great. 151st in Ken Palm, 299th in effective field goal percentage. Um, what kind of do you think hindered the offense at times last season overall? Yeah, so uh, last thing on your point, you made a great point about the size of Rutgers. You know, the, the, and you're really seeing it in how Pico's recruiting right now is defensive versatility. He loves guys that can defend multiple positions. Uh, so that's a big part of it, too. He's really... Um, you know, looking at things as a positionless basketball. Uh, he's talked about John Beeline before in Michigan. So it's it just as a segue to offense. Um, the problem with Rutgers last year is they didn't have anybody that could create off the dribble. They didn't have anybody uh, that, you know, and, and they found that in Derek Simpson late in the season. Um, but obviously Paul Mulcahy, you know, was a, a he slowed things down. Uh, it worked better when they had true isolation players like Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr., when you slow things down in the half court and, you know, Mulcahy was able to find them and they were able to go one-on-one uh, -on -one and, 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 you know, they, they were clutch guys. They weren't the most efficient players, but they were clutch. Um, what happened last year is obviously you did have Cam Spencer, a highly efficient player, but teams were able to key on him as the season went on because Rutgers didn't have anybody driving consistently to the rim and opening things up for shooters. So, uh, they found that a little bit with Derek Simpson, but Mulcahy is not that type of point guard. He's really more of like a point forward 
Um, and I think just personnel wise, it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't fit, uh, in terms of being able to create shots. And when they got frustrated, you know, they, they were sharing the basketball really well at times. Um, but when shots didn't start falling and they struggled a little bit defensively and they're a little bit beat up all of a sudden, um, you know, they tried to play a little bit of hero ball and they just were as a team, just not very good shooters. So I, I think they've rectified that. Uh, and we could talk about that, but I think overall, the biggest thing is not having enough creators, uh, in the backcourt was, was a huge problem. And, um, you know, I think also they weren't able to run as much. And, and Cliff Amori, he's not a natural post-up guy. He's a guy that needs to operate in space. Um, you know, Gio and Ron were so good at feeding him, you know, with a lob and the alley-oop uh, off of pick and rolls. And last year he was much more stationary. Um, and he just isn't at that skill level to be able to back down post defenders um, and score at a high, high percentage. So that was a big part of it too. Yeah. And I think that kind of like, leads to my point of there just never felt like a true identity. It was a mix mm -hmm. of trying to get Amori his touches in the post, but it wasn't super efficient. And then the other thing, like you said, just nobody that could consistently create a shot like Baker and Harper. And obviously those are the most fair comparisons because they were really, really good at what they did. Um, but even when like, it felt like when I watched some film back and stuff, like they would create an advantage, like drive into the lane and make the defense rotate, but then nobody could like, it's a kick out, but then nobody could do anything off of it anyways. And then, so it's right. now it's as, and as it was almost just like, you'd like, you know, when you watch a really good, well-run set, it's multiple actions right after each other that, you know, continuous and kind of just flow into each other. I think the other thing for me is it felt like at times Rutgers almost had like, it was like they had this action okay, it didn't work. Now let's go run this other action that, and it wasn't like a cohesive thing. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you know, you kind of mentioned the personnel because, I, you know, we talk, just talked about the offense not being great. The defense was absolutely elite. Um, I mentioned the length kind of that I think helped in part with how good the defense was last year. Obviously it was going to be good no matter what with Peichel there, but you go from a backcourt of six, what was it, Mulcahy, six, seven, six, six, um, and six, four, and sim, or, um, uh, and Spencer to most likely Fernandez at 5'11, Simpson 6'3. But those are two guys that have kind of proven that they can go get you a shot whenever you need one. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of think that, well, one, do you, I, I, you can correct me if that's not, you don't think will be the starting backcourt, but um, I'd say both of them are solid defenders. Do you think that they're going to be giving up something defensively, though, in order to create the better shots? And then also, you know, the additions of like Gavin Griffiths, who we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah, I, I, you know, I had Steve Peichel on my own podcast recently, and and he admitted that he is concerned uh, how they'll be defensively because they are going to be different offensively. Uh, you know, I'm really excited about Noah Fernandes. I think, you know, he's he's more of an instinctual player. He's someone that you know uh, can kind of make something out of nothing at times. Uh, you know, he he's obviously more dribble forward than I think Rutgers is used to. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the offense operates with him. But I think when you have Fernandes, when you have now Simpson, who's going to be year two, we hope he makes the leap from freshman to sophomore, you know, that big jump that potentially players make in that year. Uh, and then also they, they did add Austin Williams, who was at Hartford uh, a couple of years ago, uh, led them to the NCAA tournament um, and is a, is, you know, is a bigger guard. So he's six, four. He, uh, his stats, you know, advanced stats in terms of penetration, uh, attacking the rim, drawing contact. That was the other thing too, is like, they were not good at getting to the foul line. So no. 
um, you know, and they were shooting really well from the foul line for, for a time, but then they weren't getting, they weren't drawing contact. And when you can't get to the rim, you can't get fouled. You can't get to yeah. the foul line. So Austin Williams is really good at that. Uh, I think Derek Simpson, his step is kind of learning how to create for others when he penetrates, not just kind of settle for whatever shot he can get. Um, but I think Noah Fernandes brings a, a certain level of experience, and I'm I'm just excited to see him play too because he's never played with the level of athlete like Cliff is. Um, when Moat Mag comes back, even Andre Hyatt, you know, and to have Andre Hyatt and Gavin on the wings, um, to have shooters, I think just the full complement. I, I think they're they make a lot more sense in terms of how the roster is constructed from an offensive perspective. But you're right; it is a big question in terms of how that's all going to look defensively. Yeah, I think. When I first watched Noah Fernandez's film, it was just like, yeah, this is a Rutgers dude. Like, just <laughs> uh, absolutely. Like, I've, you know, he's 5'11", and we already mentioned the size thing. But, like, just going to be a dude that still gets into ball handlers defensively. Like, he's going to fit in super well defensively. And now gives them a, you know, a legitimate option as somebody that can go create a shot and create for others. He had, I forget his assist rate off the top of my head. But I know, it was, it was, yeah. I know it was very high. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I'm super excited to see how he fits in, what Peichel's able to do with him on offense. And then, yeah, Simpson's just like, you know, he's probably the biggest candidate for like a super breakout sophomore year in the Big Ten. Or if he's not the biggest candidate, he's one of the top two to three. Um, you know, he he showed the flashes last year. Even, what was it, this, what was the IU game? Was that January or December? That, that was December. He had that, that was a big yeah. game. And then also the Penn State comeback. That was all yeah. him in terms of leading yeah. them back. Yeah, exactly. Like he showed that he could be this guy that can go and just score the ball, like just straight up score the ball. Um, I think I, I like what you said about kind of being able to create for others. That probably is the next step for him if he's like the secondary ball handler. But two guys that I think just fit super well in at Rutgers. Um, you know, we can talk about like this new offense that could potentially happen. We saw a little bit of it overseas. Um but at the end of the day, they are the overseas trips, right? And so I guess, you know, what did you kind of take away from that trip for them? And for this, you know, we saw this team kind of push the pace more, shoot more threes. Do you think that's something that will translate to the Big Ten? Or was it more of just a game-by-game -game basis with kind of just how the overseas trips go for teams? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think that, you know, in terms of the results, you have to kind of uh, – you know, be cautious in how you interpret those. But I was fascinated in terms of how the, the style of play that they uh, played with, because, you know, Pico's not going to have them go overseas and just play a certain way for the trip and then come back and play a different way. And and I asked him about that and he, he did say, you know, every team's different. And I think he, you know, I, th I think he learned a lot from last year's team. I think he uh, realized that, you know, they, they, they can't, they can't win games 50 to 48 uh, all the time and they have to be able to create offense. And what I found interesting is, you know, in some of the live streams they had of games, you can hear Pykele yelling, you know, bring it up like on makes. He was yelling at Derek Simpson to get the ball down the floor uh, and really was intentionally pushing the pace. It's one thing to run and transition off of misses, but the fact that they were trying to push the pace off makes, I thought that was a huge change in terms of how they operated in the past. Um, and I do think they're going to try to shoot more threes. They, you know, amazingly were 48 of 103 games uh, overseas. Uh, part of that, too, is that the two of the games they played uh, in Portugal were under FIBA rules. So they, they were taking more shots than they normally would in a game. But I do think that, um, you know, between Andre Hyatt, 
uh, between uh, Derek Simpson uh, and then Noah Fernandes, who, you know, was shooting over 40% from three last year before he got hurt. And then uh, obviously Gavin Griffiths, you have three legitimate three-point shooters in a way that they, they didn't even have last year. You had Cam Spencer, and that was about it. And, and Andre Hyatt has had his moments. Um, but, you know, the way he – I also thought the way he looked overseas and just the confidence he played with, he's obviously worked on his game. And, you know, he's, he's an older player now. And that's the other thing with Fernandes, Hyatt, and Austin Williams. You're talking about three six-year, seven-year guys that have played a lot of college basketball that are stronger – um, you know, Fernandes obviously is a little slight, but um, guys that just know how to play. And I think that that's going to be really helpful in terms of transitioning to this style. My last point uh, for throwing it back to you is just, I think it's important for Rutgers to show this type of, of offense for the future in terms of recruiting, you know, with the 24 class that they're, they're potentially getting uh, obviously Ace Bailey's currently committed uh, there. You know, it's no secret. They're going hard after Dylan Harper. You know, those kind of players need to operate in space and need to operate in a fast-paced, up-tempo style that's free-flowing and shoots threes. And I think it's almost a blessing that Pomo Kehi left because now they're able to open it up more. And I think, you know, they brought in Fernandes to, to be able to be a distributor for Spencer. And now it's going to open up even more and Fernandes is going to have a bigger role. So I, I, I'm really excited to see how they're going to be offensively. I'm not too worried defensively. It's going to be different. But um, I think, like you said, uh, the, the mentality, but also like Fernandes, the way he's a dog already on defense, uh, it's just going to be about learning how to play defense together. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think, um, at least from my point of view, and, and you cover Rutgers, so you can interject if you disagree, but I feel like Rutgers will take, if they get at this kind of big jump in offense, if they kind of decrease in defense a little bit because of it, um, obviously you don't want to like, purposely have a bad defense or anything like that but you know if if Rutgers ends up with a top 75 offense and then they're like 20th in defense because of it I assume that's kind of a trade-off that will will be welcomed we'll um, take it we'll take yeah 100 percent. so you know and I think I'm hoping that the overseas trip translates um, like you said it'd be kind of silly to go over there play a style and then you know not use it coming back or like not it be your main um, offensive style but I think the other interesting point you made was with, you know, maybe like Mulcahy, just kind of the personnel last year not really being able to run. Because that was one thing that kind of confused me at times watching them was why they didn't uh, run more. But I think the point that you make with, you know, just Mulcahy was a slow it down guy, even McConnell, like in, in the half court, yeah. at least not like a guy that's going to get up and run. Like none of them really are. Um, so I think that's interesting, too. We have, you know, been recording for about 19, 20 minutes now, and we haven't really talked about Gavin Griffiths and, and you know, big name coming to Rutgers top uh, was top 50 recruit somewhere in that area um, at the time. What he'll be the highest ever ranked recruit to put on a Rutgers jersey. Obviously, Ace Bailey coming in um, is, is much higher ranked than him. But and that's just per 247. Um, what stands out about like what stands out to you about him and just kind of the impact he can make this year? Do you think that like he'll be a day one starter? Or do you think he'll take a little bit of time? I think that, you know, they were probably planning to bring him off the bench when they had Cam Spencer uh, and Mokehi. And now, you know, it's ripped the Band-Aid time off. Uh, you know, he, he was uh, featured prominently overseas. Uh, he scored over 15 points in all three games. He shot a lot of threes. I think that, you know, it's interesting because 
Cliff Amori was the highest rated recruit before Gavin, and he was still kind of raw, you know, and he was a freshman was not a huge impact. Gavin is offensively as skilled a player they've ever had that's shown up, you know, freshman year, uh, arguably one of the best shooters in the 23 class. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be – Paykel likes to work his freshmen in and not put too much pressure on them early, but I think Gavin Griffiths is just too hard to contain. I think they, they have to let him fly. Uh, I think they're going to need his scoring. I think he has the potential to be the leading scorer on the team. Uh, I think he's you know got such a natural stroke. He's got the length. Uh, I, I think, obviously, for me, the biggest question mark with him is defensively. Can he be serviceable? I don't think he needs to be great off the bat, but – uh, I think that was something with Derek Simpson last year where he, you could see that he was way behind defensively early, but I was really impressed by like, you know, February, how much better he was defensively. So I think with Gavin Griffiths, that's a huge key. Um, I don't think they'll play him, you know, at the four too much. I think he's a natural three. Um, so I, it, but I, I, I think that, you know, they can pair a lot of different personnel around him. That's why Andre Hyatt, I think is so valuable. He could play the three or the four. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he does defensively, but I think offensively he's going to be, you know, a huge part of what they do. He's going to be their best shooter. And I think he's going to really profit in open space uh, with a Noah Fernandes and, and even Austin Williams, who has a pretty high assist rate too, uh, you know, being able to get open that way. So in a way he's going to have a lot of veteran experienced guys around him to help him. But I think he's, he's definitely the most talented offensive player on the roster. Yeah, that's that's interesting to think about him being the leading scorer. Um, I just kind of chalked that up to either Fernandes or Simpson. But yeah, like Griffiths is without a doubt talented to do it. Or um, just watching like some of the film from high school, it I truly was surprised when he missed open threes. Like I, yeah. I truly was. Um, the footwork was really really good. You know, I don't think he's like an elite athlete by any means, but like he's good athletically. Could get to a shot pretty much wherever he wanted. Um, had good range. Like on the offensive end, yeah, I, just, I see it translating pretty quick. I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't. Obviously, you know, it it is still a jump from high school to college. Anything can happen. All of that. Um, I think you you mentioned him probably playing the three. I I would assume that's where he does. Uh, I don't. I just don't think he'll have quite the frame at least yet to really guard fours in the Big Ten. Um, mm-hmm. Potentially, he could get there. I think he does have legit upside as like this three and D type player. Um, and, and I don't want to, I guess I don't want to just limit his game to just three pointers because he is more than that. He can create, I think he can get to the rim some, he has, you know, this really long frame that fits in with Rutgers that, um, I think will allow him to get to the rim some too. Do you th- like, let's, let's say, you know, he's, he's a starter from day one. And if he's a number one, number two score, like, do you think he has a chance then at big 10 freshman of the year? I think potentially, I mean, you know, I, I was probably thinking more realistic, but, you know, all freshman team, mm-hmm. um, but it depends. I, I, I think with those awards too, you know, like you have to be good. So if Rutgers can surprise people and end up being a top five team, then yeah, I think he could, especially if he's a leading scorer, shoots over 40% from three. I think, you know, certainly could obviously it depends on the competition as well. But um, yeah, I think part of that is, you know, how, how much does Rutgers exceed expectations in part because of him? But I, I, yeah, I, I think all freshman team is a realistic goal for him. And, um, you know, I, I think it's great that he's going to be there this year, you know, to kind of build a foundation for a lot of the elite talent that potentially is coming the year after. Uh, because I think that he fits in really well. You know, say they do get Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey. I think the three of them together 
really makes sense and uh you know is, is is as a Rutgers as a Rutgers fan it's fun to think about yeah that's that'll be uh that'll be a fun trio if it does work out that way um couple more questions before we get you out of here but you know I, I think the other main person that we haven't spent too much time talking about is Amori you know he's a top he's for sure a top three big in the Big Ten I, I would assume most put him too it's where I would put him um just an elite rim protector and just defender in general last year do you what do you kind of want to see from him improvement wise heading to this year? Do you think um, and we based on how we talk, I don't know if he will, but do you think he gets a little more usage next year on the offensive end just because of how many new faces there are? I, I think because there's uh, because there's so many more guys that can create off the dribble, I think that he's going to be able to get easier shots. I you know in terms of uh, usage, you know, I, I think that they tried to use them a good amount last year. I think they just need to use them differently. Um, so I, I hope they don't try to post up too much, or if they are, it's um, he's setting other guys up. I think if he can become a better passer, he struggled. You know, they were all t- teams at the end of the season were just, you know, triple teaming him whenever he had the ball in the post, and he was struggling passing out of that, even as it's, you know, close to seven foot. So he's got to get, you got, he's got to be a better passer. Uh, obviously, you know, hopefully he's established some kind of post-up move, um, but he really is so good in space and, you know, coming off that high pick and roll uh, is something they need to do better with. Um, but I think that when guys penetrate, you know, and if, if, if the defense collapses and help side defense and all that, he, he has so, such athleticism, he can go and get the ball out. And um, I, I think that he's going to get some easier baskets but I think also improving his offensive rebounding. You know, he's a really, really good defensive rebounder. Um, but he, I, I always felt like he could be a better offensive rebounder in terms of getting, uh, you know, high percentage chances at the rim. So I do think he could be a better offensive player. I, I'm not expecting, you know, a huge change. Um, you know, last year he was talking about shooting mid-range and even some threes. I don't see that in his repertoire. Um, but, you know, listen, even if he could stretch the defense a little bit, but I think – for them, they they need him to really just dominate inside in every way possible. Um, but I think you know having Fernandes, Simpson, Williams, guys that can drive, I think it's going to help him get uh, more space down low. Yeah, I think you know you mentioned the post ups in that per synergy. He had two hundred and eleven post ups last year, um, and it was shot like forty one percent, which is in like the forty six percentile. So it's like. It's, you know, it's not terrible, but out of a guy who had that many post-ups, you're hoping to see more. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the next out of the way that they categorize, like the next uh, most used uh, type of play that he had was he had 76 cuts on the year where he was, you know, shooting more like 65%. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's all right. Like you're going to, you're still going to get him his post touches because this is how it works. But if that can limit and you're getting him much better touches, you uh, you know, off of drives in the dunker spot lobs. Like, I mean, no, if he, if he's, if he's running the lane, getting a lot, like nobody's stepping in front of him, maybe Zach Eady, but even then like Amori can just is one of the few dudes that can actually just outstretch over him. Um, last like main question before we can do a couple small ones to get out of here is, uh, you know, there, we already mentioned the mag injury McConnell injury last year and just the kind of lack of depth that Rutgers had at times really, at you know, really at times was just seven man rotation towards the end of the season. Um, do you see the depth being an issue again, or do you think that'll be um, more taken care of this year? I think they have a pretty solid eight-man rotation. Um, you know, one guy we haven't talked about is Antoine Wolfolk, uh, who showed flashes at the end of last year. Pykel is buzzing about him, saying he's the most improved player. 
he was actually a football recruit uh, more than a basketball recruit. He had some pretty good football offers. He decided to play basketball. So this was his first year where he's just focused on basketball. And uh, Pike has been raving about his development. So he's a guy that, if you remember in the Big Ten tournament, you know, took it the full length of the floor uh, and scored in transition. So he's got some real skill. Uh, he's an under-radar guy because of, of his football, um, you know, uh, recruiting. But uh, I think he's a guy that can really contribute down low. Obviously, Mag, you know, whenever he does return and how quickly it kind of takes him to get, you know, yeah, I don't I think it's fair to expect him to be at the same level he was playing right at the end because he was playing at the highest level of his career. But, um, you know, how quickly can he help on a consistent basis? Um, but between, you know, Mag, Wolfolk, uh, Cliff, you have Andre Hyatt, uh, Gavin Griffiths, and then you have, uh, you know, the three guards with Williams, uh, Simpson, and Fernandes. I think that's a really solid eight-man rotation. You do have Oscar Palmquist who transferred back who, you know, I thought was really good at times in, in giving them, you know, a spot-up shooter. He had a couple of huge threes at Indiana. He had a couple of huge threes at Penn State. So he could be useful at times. And then they have a Michael Davis, who's a uh, true freshman, uh, really good friends with Ace Bailey. But I, I really like his long-term prospects. So, uh, you know, they've raved about his speed and athleticism. I don't know how much he'll get in the mix right away. And then you have Emmanuel Agbole, big man, Juco transfer has three years, but he's injured right now too. Uh, so I think that eight man rotation, um, is probably what ultimately they're going to be, but I think they have more experience. And, and like I said before, I think they just, I think they'll mesh better together. Uh, so, you know, I think you'd like to have, I think, you know, a little bit more experience in the bench, but I think Oscar could serve as that ninth man and gives them more depth overall for sure. Yeah. I, that's good to hear about Wolfolk too. Cause I think that was one of my bigger concerns is, you know, I, I think Ogbele will probably need at least a year to really transition. Um, yeah. High upside, though, you know, definitely for, could develop into something, into a really, really good player. Uh, the, but there, besides Amore, there was no, you know, Wolfolk is going to have to be the guy for the backup big. Um, Palmquist, you know, like you said, I, I think he's going to give you what he's going to give you. He'll knock down some shots. I don't think he's like a detriment defensively or anything. Um, and then I think it's a little dicey. It'll be a little dicey until Mag comes back. I'm interested, or maybe not dicey, but I'm interested to see how the kind of wing rotation works. We already mentioned Griffith's probably just going to kind of be thrown into the fire. Um, but, you know, I think, can Austin Williams play the one through the three if needed, do you think? Uh, in like a backup in limited Yeah, I, I think anywhere? the two and the three, definitely. Um, yeah. You know, I, I honestly, I'm not sure how much he's, he does have a high turnover rate. So I don't know how much they're going to want him you know, as the primary ball handler, but I think that as a secondary ball handler, it's not as big of a concern. Um, so I think that, yeah, you know, between Simpson, uh, because I think you could rotate, you know, two spots with those three guys, uh, because you also have Andre Hyatt. So yeah. I think he'll he'll probably start at the four to start the season with Mag out. Um, but I think, you know, he could even shift to the three. Uh, and who knows, maybe they go really big and they, you know, they have Hyatt and wing, uh, Hyatt and Griffiths on the wing. You have uh, Wolf and uh, Cliff down low, and then you're going with either Noah or, or Derek. I, I could see that kind of rotation at times too. That that would be interesting. I would be uh, I would I would want to watch that for sure. So um, this one we can just do a one. You know, you don't don't have to really give an explanation if you don't want to. But who are you most excited to watch on the team this year? Oof, that's a, that's a good. Honestly, I, I I'm most excited to see Noah because I, I just think that he. 
is is a very unique player, and I think that he is going to bring a dynamic that Rutgers hasn't had. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I could say ever, but just is not a typical player they've had just in terms of his style. Um, and I think he's going to be a great leader for this team. So uh, as much as I'm excited to see Gavin Griffiths dream threes on a regular basis, I think Noah Fernandes makes them a lot more interesting offensively. And I think that, um, you know, he's just going to be the catalyst for a lot of change on the offensive end. It's fair. I was between him and Simpson. I think I'm going to lead Simpson, but I'm just kind of a, I'm a sucker for these like six foot four scoring guards and, and it is what it is. Um, so last thing is, you know, what do you, would you say kind of are the keys to the season for Rutgers, whether, you know, if, if they were to hypothetically like hit their ceiling or hit their floor, kind of the things that you think would swing them either way. Well, you know, one thing that I've, I've said before that I, I, I think is going to be fascinating about this team is because, you know, for them to rebuild under Peichel and, and all they went through when they had, you know, Gio and Ron and Caleb and, and Paul, and, you know, those guys went through a lot. And I felt like the end of last year, they really missed Gio and Ron's leadership. And you could see the toll that just the, their whole careers had kind of taken on them. And I think that, that it kind of weighed the team down, to be honest with you at times. And I think this is a complete fresh start. Uh, you know, you obviously Cliff's been around for a long time, you know, Hyatt, this is his third year, but I also think for Pykele as a coach, you know, he's less, um, he, he's not as committed to having to play, you know, like there was a time where he rolled out the same four or five guys, 35 minutes a game. He, he, the, I think the competition level is going to be higher this year because there's going to be more minutes to fight for. And I'm really excited about that. I think that is a real key to the season. Um, and you're going to have older guys that are on the team that don't have baggage is probably not the right word, but you know, the, the, there's no kind of perspective in terms of where Rutgers was. They can just go out and play. And I think that um, that's going to help, hopefully help them be a little bit looser. I felt like they were tight at times last year. So I think, you know, the, the chemistry that they're going to have um, the leadership they're going to have, and then just, you know, obviously offensively they need to improve um, but I think as a group, you know, going overseas is really key because they do have so many new pieces. Um, and I think, you know, one thing we touched on, too, in terms of defensively, one reason I do think they could still be really good is with Mag and Cliff defending the rim. Those are two guys that, you know, were elite last year at times. So I think that finding how, you know, everyone's role, I think that's going to be a huge key uh, in that rotation we talked about. But overall, uh, you know what? I think expectations are going to be down a little bit, and and I think they can exceed them. So I expect a looser team, a team that plays a little bit more free. Uh, and I think Peichel is going to be a little bit more freer as a coach too. Yeah, I think that's all very fair. Like for me, it's the the roster fit in general, and that's kind of I feel like has been the underlying theme for this whole podcast is just getting these guys to all fit. It's this is a team that. Um, I think in totality makes a little more sense on paper. Now it's just, you know, got to actually go out there and do it. Um, and with that is some form of, you know, another key will be some form of just consistent offense, whether it be, you know, I, I think there's a really good trio in Fernandes, Simpson and Griffiths as guys that can be like pretty much instant offense for you. Obviously Hyatt and Mag can both contribute what they do. And, you know, Amori is elite at the rim. Like there's, there's no taking that away from him either. Um, so that'll be it. And then just, I mean, I, uh, you could say this about every team, but health uh, for a team that, you know, had this, had the death, is death issues, had some injuries. Like obviously you just want everybody to stay healthy because I think, you know, I think you're right with 
Um, this team's probably going to be more towards, you know, middle to bottom of the Big Ten projection somewhere in that area. Um, but this this team could be a really fun team to watch. And not only defensively like they were kind of last year, but offensively as well. Um, you know, who knows? Like, I, I, there definitely is upside for them to be a top four or five team in the Big Ten, I think, for sure. So, um, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Let everybody know where they can go find you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I founded the scarletfaithful.com, uh, covering all Rutgers athletics. And uh, my Twitter handle is Aaron underscore Brightman. Uh, and, you know, we're on Instagram as well. So, uh, And I have a YouTube channel also. And uh, I, I don't do videos as good as you with the breakdowns, but uh, I'm, I'm trying. But uh, I have a daily podcast now as well. So I post it on, you know, all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, one of the best at like covering their respective schools, in my opinion. So his links will be down in the description for YouTube, Twitter, and all that. Definitely go check that out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Jackson CBB. We are on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts for Feed the Post. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. I'm going to be rolling out, you know, all these Big Ten team previews, have some more fun videos coming out, um, have one that should be coming out later this week at the time of this posting, if I'm remembering my schedule correctly, in my head. So um, appreciate everybody tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next one.